Blog Talk Radio. about that game it's over with it's done with but at the same time uh hopefully the nfl will will take under scrutiny about ending the game on a on a holding penalty but that's either here or there we'll we will get into that uh soapbox but today guess what it's the granddaddy of them all the greatest race of all time uh begins uh today and tomorrow obviously the xfinity race i'm referring to in the daytona 500 tomorrow got a lot of things on tap to talk about today with that uh, so we'll get into that here in just a little bit with Steve Wilson from uh, SpeedwayDigest.com, editor-in-chief and our official NASCAR contributor, and Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast at BurnoutSports.com, all joining us to break down uh, the Daytona 500, and it's really a quite a, a race to talk about. Well, maybe second best, it, I mean, for Next to the Indianapolis 500 is the best race to talk about. Let me put it that way. And so we'll, we'll pull out the old DraftKings and spin the dial and see what happens and what drivers we land on later today. But first, and first and foremost, we've got the triumph return of Rick Riggin. And he's going to join us to help us break down a preview of what's coming up soon. Can you imagine, can you believe the college basketball championship the March Madness, the Bracket Busters, the Bracketology, everything that comes with that is just right around the corner here. And so give us an, an early glimpse and an early peek at what maybe to look at. Remember, still very early, and anything can happen in March. But Rick's going to help us do that. Again, this is the 65th running of the Daytona 500. And so uh, and it's the Craftsman Series and the Xfinity Race as well. So 917-889-8516 is my digit stick round. It's about to get good. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? 
Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at GoANG.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, I've seen on the board. Do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee well that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted so um, you know well it is fresh roasted i don't i don't think you know what that means you know what this is this is masa lequois piquet which of course in the indonesian like oh let me finish in the indonesian language it's weasel coffee you just made that up no it's been passed their digestive tract that's disgusting and then it's nature's wet processing yeah but is it good I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Back to the balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, Presidente. Of course, that's the archived walk-up song by the one, the only Rick Riggin. He joins us from Evansville, Indiana. Rick, how are you, sir? Welcome back. Hey, how you doing, Tom? Doing pretty good. You know, some will say we have fallen on the sports dark ages now. The week after the Super Bowl, no more football, except for today. A lot of people don't know this. The XFL starts today, so I'm actually looking forward to that. We got college basketball. It's going to be winding up though, like in a month. So it's kind of so dark time in sports right now. We should make you our official XFL uh, contributor. <laughs> you know, uh, we, uh, because of the, the I, I, I did. You're right. I did not mention that, uh, but uh, basically because we're outside of this segment that you and I are getting ready to do, it's going to be all Daytona 500. Real quickly, uh, uh, Rick, and and as we just heard with Black Rifle Coffee, you and I both enjoy Black Rifle Coffee. Great great cause, buy a bag, give a bag. (laughs) But I know you also, uh, dear in heart to you, another veterans organization, uh, AMVETS, you're very much a part of. And uh, let's uh, take a second before we get into some March Madness talk and talk about the AMVETS, what it is, what they do. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't know that you're an author, or at least uh, correct me if you still are, but uh, you used to be an officer inside the AMBETS organization. 
with the local Evansville branch there. So let's talk a little bit about the AMVETS. I, I certainly love what they do, being a veteran myself. You at your Air Force, and I appreciate your service. Uh, and is your son-in-law's in the Air Force too, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay, that's what I thought. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good like that. That was the only way that you would allow him to marry your daughter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got yeah, yeah you're right. You know, you see that. Go ahead. <laughs> You're right. I used to be an officer on the executive board here at the Evansville uh, AMVETS. Uh, I'm not currently, uh, but definitely a member. Uh, you know, AMVETS is all about protecting our, our veterans, uh, their entitlements, you know, their VA, their their health care, uh, employment opportunities, employment assistance. You know, AMVETS is a great organization uh, for uh, our vets in that way. And, uh, you know, if you're Looking into uh, needing some help in these areas, definitely stop by your local AMVETS. I mean, I'm here in Evansville, but if you're in the state of Indiana, anywhere, AMVETS is across the country. But uh, as the show is out of Indianapolis, I would say definitely anywhere here in Indiana, uh, go to AMVETS.org, man, and uh, you you can see uh, where you can go to get your help you need. Or if you just want to come and hang out at one of the clubs here in Indiana, we would love to have you there too. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out AMVETS. And you got beer there, so I mean, you had me there. Cheap beer and cold beer. <laughs> Cheap beer and cold beer. That'd be even better. Well, let's we'll get that website up on our Twitter and websites, uh, Twitter and the social media, uh, amvets.org. Uh, check it out. Great organization. Well, Rick, here we go. It's about that time of year again when we start talking some basketball. There, as you as you uh, alluded to. It's kind of the dark time in sports, and especially if you're not a race fan. I, why I, I I don't understand. I know you're not. We'll just have to just uh, just have to continue to scratch my head because you know you can make some money because I know you like to bet. You know you can make some money on on the cars going around in circles, left turn, left turn, left turn. <laughs> <laughs> I, here, here's so, here's how betting works for me. If if I bet something, the exact opposite is going to happen. It happens every time. It does not matter. <laughs> All right, and here's what you're going to do. We're going to blindfold on you, and you're just blindly going to spin the wheel, pick any driver right. that, that you know of uh, in the Daytona 500, and uh, we'll give you an, uh, a, another chance for the Xfinity uh, as well. So two, so we'll start the Xfinity race. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you know the Xfinity drivers, so give me just one second, and we're going to do a quick uh, quick spin, and we'll, we'll, we'll put $5 in your name. Um, and if you win, we'll take that winnings and we'll donate it to the AMVETS. How's that sound? All right, sounds great. All well, right, Xfinity is the, uh, the the NASCAR minor league series, right? Basically, yeah, basically. Um, yeah. And we don't have that information yet, so um, <laughs> they don't have it up yet. Uh, that, 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 oh, all right. Okay. Well, all right, just go ahead and, and uh, randomly pick a a uh, Daytona driver, and what we'll do when the when it comes available, I'll send you some drivers to pick from. So we'll we'll put your bet on. If you win the bet, we'll donate it to to Ambets, and you'll you'll have to tell us how to do it. But we'll do it in, in your name. So pick a a random okay. number, a, a random name, any driver that you happen to know, and uh, just pick them. All right, well, I'm going to go Kyle Busch because I know he used to be NASCAR's a-hole, basically. I know he's calmed down over the years here now. He's gotten older, but uh, 
you know, me, Tom, I'm a fan of the Hills. I'm a big wrestling fan. I love the Hills. And when they when he won, I think this the race in Nashville several years ago, yeah. and they had this custom built, custom made, really expensive guitar as a trophy they give to him. He immediately smashed it, and it broke everybody's hearts. That is heel stuff to me, and I love that. <laughs> and ever since I've seen Kyle Busch do that, uh, I've been, I would say, a fan of his, even though I don't watch the races. But I'm going Kyle Busch. Yeah, that's probably not a bad pick. He's he's on a new team and everything this year, but so it's probably not a, a bad pick at all. Uh, Xfinity uh, qualifies uh, at 11:30, so we're gonna put uh, you down for five dollars, Kyle Busch. If he wins, whatever you win from that, and if you win six thousand dollars, I'll be amazed. I'm just kidding. It, whatever you win from that, you have to show me how to do it. We'll donate it to the uh, uh, a, a, Ambets and uh, put it in your name, sir. Sure. All righty. So, Sounds great. let's get into the topic at hand, March Madness. And, you know, we we, we can go deep into the weeds, but I, I, I'm going to just try to keep it simple. Let's just uh, kind of keep it simple as far as what's what's going on. We've got the uh, the selections are announced on March 12th for the Division One, uh, And so let's talk a little bit about, well, maybe some give-me's. But there's a particular uh, uh, two teams that I want to talk about, and one of them we'll put our homework, or two of them we'll put our homework card on, but one I want to focus in on, and this is Purdue and Alabama. Alabama loses to Tennessee, Purdue loses to Maryland, and we're going to see some shaking and baking. And Purdue's been going the opposite direction as they they, they were right. number one, <laughs> you know, a few weeks ago. I you got a hold of them and, and tore them a new a hole, which. Yeah, they didn't come to play. You know, they didn't come to play. And we don't spend a lot of time breaking down that game. But I'm an IU guy, so, you know, I'm going to gloat just a little bit. But I still think I still think IU's got a good program. We'll get to them here in just a minute because they are on my list of teams to talk about. But let's, let's kick things off with what you see with Purdue and Alabama. Uh, obviously, both former number one teams, you would think they're still going to get uh, – very much in the top four, which we'll get to that. That my thoughts on that here in just a second. But uh, what what are your thoughts on this, the Purdue Alabama? Well, uh, you said it pretty good at the very top of this uh, college basketball segment. We're not going to go too deep in the weeds here and talk about what the heck is going on. Well, that's my question though. What the heck is going on? Because it seems uh-huh. like uh, it, these teams in the top three actually don't want to be there because every time they step up in the top three, get ranked number one. They take a step or two back. Now, we haven't seen that with Alabama, but I feel like that's because the SEC isn't all that good in uh, college basketball this year. I think this year the Big 12 is the best conference. Uh, So we haven't seen Alabama take that step back. But they're winning close in games they probably shouldn't be winning close. They should be uh, blowing out teams, and they're just not quite doing that. Uh, They had a – I know they won won by 10 last weekend, and Auburn actually had Auburn to win that game. Auburn had that lead three quarters of the game, and then uh, just couldn't hang on at the very end. But I thought that was a very winnable game for Auburn. It was at Auburn. You know, if you're an Alabama fan, you don't have the warm fuzzies, I think, uh, seeing your team. You know, like here in Indiana with us watching IU play, we don't have the warm fuzzies watching IU play a basketball game. Even though they are pulling out wins, I feel like Alabama's in that same boat, just a lot higher ranking. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into some of the, the, the power looks at where we're looking at things uh, for the 2023 uh, uh, March Madness. I, I still can't get it to roll off my tongue. 
I'm just going to go through yeah, a series crazy, of teams. Huh? Not <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go through a series of teams uh, and uh, just kind of tell me what your thoughts are, and then we'll kind of break down. So we're just going to – I'm just going to kind of look at the, basically the top ten, the power 36. We'll start with Houston. Um, certainly always a good presence when it comes to uh, the March Madness. Let's talk about Houston. What are your thoughts on Houston uh, as, as they're – they're leading them in the leading Alabama in the, in the power 36. Yeah. Ranked number two in the AP. And uh, that's just one of those sneaky good teams. Nobody ever talks about. I mean, if, if you're a casual basketball fan, you watch college basketball, just casual on a weekend because you're at the bar or something and you enjoy it. Did you know Houston's ranked number two? You probably didn't, but Kelvin Sampson is, uh, got that team playing really good again. And uh, it'd be interesting to see, uh, how they would stack up against Alabama, or uh, I don't want to say Purdue now because Purdue's what they've lost with four straight, something like that. Mm-hmm. But against UCLA or or, or Kansas, even uh, I want to see where they really stand because that number two ranking, uh, they're the only team that's not really taking that step back. You know, when once they get up there in that top three. Let's talk about Alabama. What are your thoughts about Alabama? Obviously, we still think that they're going to land as as we as even with the loss. Uh, to Tennessee, uh, we we still think they're going to land in the top in in the top seeds, the top four seeds. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts on Alabama going into March Madness? Yeah, I, they're a one, but uh, as they uh, get going in the tournament, I mean they're going to be a one seed, and they start hitting that better competition. Like I said, I don't think the SEC is that great all this year, so uh, you know they're getting tested in the conference but I don't think the conference is all that great. So what are they going to do once they hit the Sweet 16 or something? They're going to be a one seed. They're definitely going to be a one seed. I don't know how far they go. Let's talk about Purdue. We've mentioned them a couple times here today. Obviously, I'm IU. I'm not pro-Purdue, but you got to give give the devil credit, as they say. Uh, but uh, Purdue uh, is, is playing some solid basketball, but they are starting to – to slip back a little bit, and they can't afford. You, you don't really want to use the word "must win" at this point to get in because they're already in. That's a given. But what you do want to think about: where, how's this going to affect their placement in the bracket? And if they lose, if they keep going in the trend now, they're going to be out of that top four pick, uh, top seed pick. So Purdue, what are your thoughts? The Boilermakers up in Lafayette. <laughs> yeah, I, I see them as like a five or a six seed now after these like four losses uh, i believe it's four losses in a row i mean i, I know the uh this uh, right, ap yeah. ranking we're looking at isn't uh, isn't up to four. date but right yeah and that it's northwestern iu i can't remember who they lost for iu but anyway uh i see them as a five or a six seed maybe i i i know iu just took a step back you know losing on a lap well, I, i'd say as a last second shot even though they were getting killed by Northwestern, came back for 21 points, ended up losing by two. But uh, I, I see IU as, as a four seed and Purdue as a five or a six. Well, you're doing better for IU than I am. And, and I, I'm an IU guy, don't get me wrong. And I, I, you know, for the first time in God knows how long, we're not going to be playing in that other damn tournament. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, as long as they keep going forward in a forward motion, I had them somewhere around 11, but that's just me. I'm just a naysayer because everybody is a naysayers when it comes to IU and, you know, they've not proven that outside of Purdue, 
I, I don't know when you look at strength of wins what bearing this had, but it'd be great if they get a five seed, but it's still too early to say that. But I think you're a little high on that. But who, who am I? Who am I? I'm yeah, there's a lot of basketball left. And if IU just they, they went out <laughs> or they just have one more loss or if they have a good showing in, in the tournament, in the, you know, the Big Ten tournament, I mean, like a you, four seed like is you, definitely possible, and I think they're going to do it. Well, like you said, what? so be careful with what you uh, you be be careful with your words, sir. Because remember what you said just a few minutes ago. Whatever you predict to happen, always the exact opposite happens. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so what I meant to say was I used to be an eighteen. <laughs> that's right. Let's look at Texas. Texas Longhorns. What are your thoughts on where they're going to fall out in the initial screening of, of March Madness? I also see them as as a probably maybe even a two seed as how they can get to a one maybe. Uh, actually, I think they have a really good chance. I won't say maybe. I mean, they they can be a one seed. Them in Kansas, and I, I'm telling you, this Big 12 conference is the best conference in basketball this year, and I don't even think it's close. Uh, so they're, they're, they're going to be dangerous as a one. Depends on where they set up at, you know, when the bracket comes out. But they're going to be a one. I say maybe – the lowest point they could probably get is a three, but I see them as a solid two or maybe even a one. What about Virginia? <laughs> well, I mean, they're boring, right? So <laughs> <laughs> they, they're boring, Virginia but they're is like really, really good. Yeah, they're, 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 they're no really good defense. But if they could get against a team, at, you know, like I said, it, at this, we're talking ACC now, against a team that can put some points on the board, that can run the floor, kind of break them out of that defensive shell they play, uh, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. I mean, this is a team that lost to a UMBC you know, several years ago, the only one to lose to 16. Uh, I can see this happening again with this Virginia team. Uh, because they can't score, and I don't know that's that style of basketball that that they've been playing now for like half a decade. Well, and they might be boring and may not be able to score, but they're ranked number seven and rep one one. Yeah, one it's effective last week. Well, they play Notre Dame today. But you know, the the ACC is way down this year. I mean, where's Duke? Where's North Carolina? Where's these uh, traditional blue bloods out of the ACC uh, that yeah, we're always talking absolutely. about? I mean, they're they're non-existent. This year, the ACC is down, so somebody's got to be. So, uh, the, uh, somebody's got to be the less stinkiest turn, I guess. So today, Virginia <laughs> plays Notre Dame. Today, Virginia right. plays Notre Dame. Uh, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a win for Virginia because, uh, like I said, that defense is tough, and Notre Dame is also down this year. They have struggled a hard time uh, scoring, and. Uh, it's unfortunate because Mike Bray's uh, final year announced his retirement, you know, toward at the beginning of the season. So, and Notre Dame's just uh, not as good as people thinking they they could be, and they just have a hard time scoring. If you're going against a team like Virginia, which is really great at defense, uh, it's going to be an easy win for Virginia. So let's uh, take a look at what we always like to just kind of have fun with the Cinderellas. There's always that team that comes out of nowhere. And, you know, there's there's some ones that we think might be good look at for Cinderella. Um, and we'll just kind of go through a couple of these here. The Iona Gales, 
G-A-E-L. I own him. Gail. Nah. You know what? Are they still coached by Rick Pitino? Can you look that up? Because if they are, I think it's a good pick. Yeah, stand by. Yeah. Uh, it, it got some dead air here, yeah. So I, I think Iona is a great pick. Of course, we like talked about the Illinois Chicago's. I don't think U.S. UI, uh, not, well, Rick Pitino is, Rick, Rick yeah. is the head coach at Iona. So there you go. Yeah, I, I him, think that's Put a, Iona uh, in a Cinderella team. Yeah, what they put them in. And, well uh, what, they, what they don't do very well is they don't, they don't do well at shutting down the guards at all. So there's that part of, of, of the – Oral Roberts, that's another team, Oral Roberts, Golden Eagles. What are your thoughts about that? I, I think it's a great place to go get braces, go get your teeth fixed <laughs> if you have a cavity. <laughs> no, I know. I like Oral Roberts. Uh, you know, they're, at, they're in Tulsa is where they're from. And uh, you know, I they beat Kentucky in the NIT tournament. I, gosh, we might be talking a decade ago now. Any Kentucky fans that are, you know, just won't let that, <laughs> well, I, I, just won't let that. Uh, listen, <laughs> hey, you guys, you guys won't let that die. You won't let the loss of Evansville die, you know. But yeah, I. <laughs> well, it, it, it's hard know, to uh, it's hard to pick the Cinderellas because you know some of these teams you know he's going to make the tournament. Well, you know too. Some of these have conference true. rules. Well, they got to win their conference championship, or they don't even get in. Very, very true. That you know, again, we're talking that that's the other possibility. <laughs> we're talking about teams that we see <laughs> might come in, but you're you make a valid point there. But two years ago, don't don't forget what Oral Roberts did two years ago. They studded Ohio State and Florida in the NCAA yep. State uh, uh, tournament. Uh, so uh, they're a great perimeter shooting team. So. Uh, they don't do very good at defending points either. So it is what it is. Mark, Rick Riggin joins us from Edwardsville, Indiana. He's been on the show for a good number of years, on and off. Uh, he's been on a hiatus, but so we're so glad that he's back with us and we're talking some college basketball and what's going on with the uh, college basketball uh, teams. Uh, so let's talk about Indiana while we've still got a few moments here. Uh, we've we've kind of skipped the rock across them. But let's talk about Indiana, what they've been able to do, and what they've been, and talk about the new coach, uh, the coaching staff they have. They've made a lot of good positive moves to put them where they're at now. We follow uh, Indiana University quite thoroughly. It's been a long time since we could say that Indiana is a basketball team. We're now a school, uh, state. We're now more known for a football state. But certainly, there I see a silver lining. Of the uh, back to glory with IU. Give me your thoughts on IU overall 2023, uh, 2022 season, moving into 23 uh, March Madness. Yeah, and uh, I think when they hired Mike Woodson last year and brought him in from the NBA, was, of course, he's a former player at IU. Sure. But uh, I thought that was great. I thought that was great. And, uh, you know, but the, it's a different game from the NBA to college. And, uh, I think it took last year and maybe the beginning of this year to kind of figure things out uh, for Coach Woodson, uh, for him to figure out. And I think what he's done has really turned up the intensity of how this team plays defense and how they try to execute on offense uh, because the Big Ten is physical. That is a physical conference in basketball. And you have to play with a certain amount of intensity or you don't have a chance. And I think 
he's figured out and got this team uh, playing with a lot more intensity. I think the only thing they lack now is is shooters. Now they have Jalen Hood Shafino, I, I I think can shoot the ball from anywhere, but that is about all they got for shooters. The whole problem on with them I see on offense now is relying on uh, TJD too much and trying to work the ball underneath, uh, just getting him some looks, getting Race Thompson looks. Uh, but when you go against teams and you know that's what you're, that's what you're trying to do because you don't have outside shooters, it makes offense it makes it tough to play offense. I think that's the only thing they lack is just shooters. Okay, I thought you were continuing your thought there. No, I, I agree. I agree with you. So I'm excited to see uh, what what happens uh, with uh, them. So, uh, Rick, uh, what are your thoughts overall? The NFL season's over with. The line, your lines didn't do what you had hoped they would do. But who am I to talk? My they were really close, they though. Were... They were really close. <laughs> they came back. They did come back. You know, uh, but what you know, we we talked with Ed quite extensively throughout the season, and he was not on the bandwagon of the Eagles uh, repeating to the Super Bowl. You know, I thought it was a great Super Bowl. I thought it lived up to the hype. Um, I don't know that the, the holding call at the end, I think, just created a bad taste in my mouth. And I I would have rooted for the Chiefs had they been playing anybody else but the Eagles, but been living vicariously with the Eagles through Ed for so many years. I, I like the Eagles, and it, it, I mean, it was a great game overall. But uh, what what were your thoughts on the Super Bowl, and what were your thoughts on the NFL season this past year? Yeah, so that holding call was absolutely terrible. Even if there wasn't even a, a defender at all, uh, who was that? Was that a Juju Smith-Schuster that got, I guess, held and spun I, I around or whatever? I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, so – even if, there, even if there wasn't a defender in front of him whatsoever, he wasn't getting to that ball that was thrown 20 yards downfield. I mean, it wasn't going to be catchable, no matter if there's a defender on him or not. He wasn't getting to that ball. But what they also missed was an offensive face mask, you know, lineman on lineman, right from the official who didn't call it. So I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to be the – I don't know if I'm the first guy on your show to say this, but – uh Patrick Mahomes is getting that Tom Brady treatment, okay? And that's not a good thing because it's not a good thing for the league. It's not a good thing. Uh, I guess if you're a Chiefs fan, it's a great thing. But for the rest of us, if we we could see it, uh, yeah, he's definitely getting the Tom Brady treatment. Mm -hmm. You're not the you're not the first one to say it. We actually talked about it last week, and you know a little bit before that. And, and, and one of the things we talked about in the Super Bowl special last week was if they win, this D word's going to start flying around for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, you know Patrick Mahomes is the right. next era parent of Tom Brady, and so the the word dynasty is going to start. It's already starting to be murmured. So, and I hate that word dynasty, maybe because it just it. it I, I don't like the word, what it means, what it indicates, but whatever. But uh, I, I don't – yet, not yet anyway, I don't see that the Kansas City Chiefs are a dynasty team. I certainly see that Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback, but he's not the yes. heir apparent to Tom Brady. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. What are your thoughts? But are your he is getting that Brady treatment, though. Yes, most <laughs> definitely. 
So I know you live here in Indiana. You're, you're a Lions guy, not a Colts guy, but certainly you've been immersed with uh, what's been going on with the Indianapolis Colts. What are your thoughts with the hire? I think it was a great hire with, with, with uh, um, Shane Shackton. Shackton. I'll get that name down right. Obviously, offensive coordinator for uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. They actually lost both of their coordinators. They lost their uh, defensive coordinator to Arizona. Uh, but uh, that's another topic for another show. But what are your thoughts on the on the coaching hire? And then what do they do to address this quarterback issue that they've got? Well, it kind of tells me you're going to go get your quarterback that's got a Jalen Hurts skill set, uh, a dual threat, you know. Uh, I don't know if Bryce Young is that guy. I know you guys are wanting Bryce Young. You may even trade up to get Bryce Young. Uh, but I don't know if Bryce Young is that type of quarterback, and I don't know if C.J. Stroud is that type of quarterback. You, you see both of them be kind of more pocket passers, and I don't know which one uh, is better – I know which one on paper and where everybody thinks is better than the other one. But as I've watched college football all year, I can't tell the difference between either one of them. So I don't know if you guys are going to trade, trade up to get. Yeah, that's what you told me earlier right, go this ahead. week, that, that the Colts didn't need to trade. They could stay right where they're at and still get C.J. Stroud. I'm a Levi's guy. Right. A lot of people, Adam is not. Uh, he said that Levi's a bad mistake for Indianapolis. I I think he's a good safe bet uh, for us, but, you know, I, I, I'm a C.J. Stroud guy, but um, I, I'm not a big fan of what's that kid from Florida. I'm not a big fan of, of his, but C.J. Stroud, mm-hmm. I, I, could, I could live with. I could live with. And I think where the Indianapolis Colts fans are now is they just want to get to the playoffs. We had every opportunity to get to the playoffs. And, you know, you can say – and. The, the coaching decision has been made, this, that, or the other. But, uh, you know, teams don't say, at least publicly, oh, we're mailing it in for the, for the draft pick. They do. So I think that was part of their strategy when bringing on Jeff Saturday was they kind of told him, say, okay, you know, because he could be a good puppet for the, for the Colts. Uh, he's like, hey, you know, it's okay if we win. It's okay if we don't. But we don't want to be mediocre. We don't want to be – we either want to be really bad or really good. And, and I think they made the decision to be really bad for a draft pick. And so a, a lot of people made a big to-do about Jeff Saturday. And the stupidity stuff that I heard from people say, well, he's a first-time NFL coach. Uh, he was just our ESPN commentator. Really well. Uh, do you know who he was mentored under? Do you know anything about Jeff Saturday's resume? So to say that he was just an, uh, an ESPN commentator or a first-time coach doesn't hold any water because here's the thing. Before you're a coach, you're always a first-time coach. So any coach right. that's gotten their first job is a first-time coach, you know. So that didn't hold water for me either. But, Rick Reagan, we appreciate you joining us. we got to get on some NASCAR talk. I'm going to give you an opportunity real quick here to uh, uh, pick out of any of these drivers here. I, uh, Melissa pulled us up some Xfinity drivers. Oh, did you pull up that Xfinity series? Yeah, so I've, I've got some drivers okay. for you. You can pick any right. of these ones. Okay. Justin Allgaier, Josh Berry, Daniel Hemrick, Cole Custer, Jeffrey Earnhardt. That's the nephew of, of Dale Earnhardt, FYI. Okay. Jeb Burton and Sam Meyer. I'm going uh, I'm, I'm going Allgaier, the first one you said. That's the one I've heard of. 
Okay. <laughs> Justin Allgaier, uh, $5 on the DraftKings if he wins Justin Allgaier and or Kurt Busch for the Daytona uh, – for the uh, – Justin Kyle Allgaier Bush. for the, the days – Kyle, you said Kyle or Kurt? Kyle. Oh, I thought you said Kurt. I'll have to check. Kyle may not be racist, but either way, if he is, we'll we'll put the money on him. Yeah, uh, he's he's retiring, but I think he's going to at least run in the day to the 500. Steve Wilson's standing by the balance green room, so we'll we'll get some clarification. Either which way, we'll put it on Kyle if he if if he's running. If not, we'll throw it on Kurt. How's that sound? Sure. (laughs) Okay. All right. If 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 they win, if they win, we'll we'll donate your winnings to the Anvets in your name, sir. Hey, sounds good. Hey, Rick, Rick of <laughs> people, find your work and your your soapbox heroes. <laughs> yeah, I follow you on Twitter. I only do my work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get in a Twitter war with with Rick Riggin? He will glad, gladly oblige you. <laughs> yes, that is correct. It's at Rick and underscore Rick for all my uh, Twitter keyboard warrior stuff. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon, and you're always welcome here. All right, buddy. Have a good one. <laughs> All right, thanks. Rick Reagan, been around the show for a long time. He's just a good old fan, Notre Dame fan. Many years ago, he started coming on, talking Notre Dame with us. And he kind of became a college football uh, staple with the show, and uh, so he came on to help us break down some March Madness. Madness, I tell you. See what happens. The, the Purdue loss to Maryland, Alabama's loss to uh, Maryland's loss to uh, Indiana. I mean, Purdue. There we go. Purdue's loss to Maryland and <laughs> digging, digging myself a hole. Alabama's loss to uh, Tennessee. So we'll see what happens. My name is Todd Mark Michelle, Presidente. It's about time to get in inside of, of uh, some racing talk. I mean, it is here, the greatest race of them all. Last week was the Super Bowl. This week is the uh, uh, Daytona 500. We'll be right back with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. He's calling from Daytona. We'll be right back. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
great American race. You don't get a name like that by chance. No, that's something you earn. Because this isn't just another race. It's a run at history. Start with a bang. Invite a bunch of friends, then fill the infield like a rock concert. Mix in some star power and turn them loose. A 500-mile all-out fight for NASCAR's biggest prize. That's the Great American Race. The Daytona 500, February 19th, only on Fox. It's race day for the Great American Race. It's exactly what you can hope for for a Daytona 500. Drivers, start your engines! Get close to go time, although it seems like it's been go time all day long. Here they come, checker flag. Right on to you now. A multi-car pileup. Oh, Elliott no. slam into the wall. Can't do that. There's a fight. He's got momentum up top. Two back. Get high. Hey, oh yeah. Denny Hamlin wins his second Daytona 500. Yeah. Yeah. This one's for Dale Earnhardt Sr. and all those senior fans. Come on, Freddie. <laughs> oh, I won the Daytona 500. I won the Daytona 500. Victory comes to the Daytona 500. All right, and welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Marquez, now President Day, the granddaddy of them all, the greatest race of them all. So many different titles to go with the greatest race outside of the Indianapolis 500 to watch, I would say, is the Daytona 500. Steve is supposed to be calling us from Daytona. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of the Speedway Digest. But joining us now is Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast from BurnoutSports.com. How are you, sir? Hopefully, we'll get all the laps in tomorrow, unlike last night in the truck race where it rained and it only ran 79 of the 100. So, um, exciting weekend for racing, especially for NASCAR fans out there. Well, let's let's get right into it. Obviously, Daytona is next to Indianapolis, probably one of the greatest uh, races to watch and, and to, to be a part of. Uh, as we look at at a high level, just break down. Uh, tomorrow's Daytona 500, and then we'll get into the Xfinity race and break down some storylines of the Daytona 500 of this year. Yeah, I think you had to go back to Thursday night's dual race. Um, you know, the, it, it always seems like if that first race in the dual race is, you know, cool, calm, and collective, and everybody's staying calm and, and behaving themselves, that second one becomes chaos. And we saw a second one become chaos. Kyle Busch out front leading. I heard you guys talking. Kurt Busch is officially retired after um, – his concussion last year. Kyle Busch is in a new car this year. He's driving for Richard Childress in that eight car. It's a black eight car. He's teamed up with Austin Dillon. Um, Kyle Busch was leading. And then, you know, we talked about this last year, the two guys that that always seem like they find their nose in chaos, and that's teammates Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez. Suarez gets Kyle Busch swirly, wrecks him, uh, wrecks about half the field including Austin Hill, who had to race his way in. He was eliminated. 
including Travis Pastrana, who had to get in on qualifying time from Wednesday night, but that allowed the Noblesville native and, and full-time IndyCar driver Connor Daly to move through, even though he was two laps down, and advance to the Daytona 500. So it's the 64th driver in the history of auto racing to start both the Indianapolis 500 and the Daytona 500. He'll be the 32nd driver as long as he makes a qualifying attempt at the Indianapolis 500, which, barring anything major catastrophic, uh, that's going to happen. But, again, it it, it seems like the Fords were super quick in qualifying. It was Hendrick Motorsports, again, with Alex Bowman setting the record for the fifth straight year. He will take the green flag in the Daytona or William Byron's up there as well. Uh, I think I, I think you're looking at, you know, Hendrick Motorsports. You're looking at um, Richard Childress mm-hmm. and Austin Dillon, who's won the Daytona 500, Kyle Busch, his teammate. And then can the Fords hook up together? You know, the Penske's are always good here. Austin Cindric won last year. Ryan Blaney has a couple Talladega wins under his belt. Um, you know, that's a, team, that's, a, that's a team to look out for in, 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 in Penske. Um, with Cendric, with Ryan Blaney, you know, but what other Fords can can step up? Remember Michael McDowell two years ago and the exactly. upset win in mm-hmm. the Daytona 500. You've got Harrison Burton in that 21 car that has won the Daytona 500 in the last 15 years. He's been fast. Um, can 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 the Fords over at Stuart Haas Racing step up? And then what will we see out of Toyota? Toyota really hasn't shown us too much with the Gibbs cars, but um, it's a wide open field per usual. Well, let's talk about Jimmy Johnson. Obviously, big storyline for this year's Daytona 500. He returned to a very familiar position on Friday in in the front of the NASCAR Cup Series with a lap of 194.225. Johnson led a group of four Chevrolet drivers who posted the fastest speed in opening practice for the Daytona 500. And then Chase Elliott, Elliott, the seven-time champion's uh, former uh, teammate, Hendricks Motorsport, was second fastest, 194.195. And the JDG Dowdery, uh, Ricky Stonehouse Jr. and pole winner Alex Bowman all right up there. But Jimmy Johnson back in NASCAR, obviously retiring from NASCAR, going over to IndyCar. Uh, we know Jimmy Johnson very well here in Indianapolis, but he returns over to NASCAR to run the Daytona 500 this year and looks like he's living up to the hype. Yeah, and, and, and this is a team that he now part owns, Ready? Right? It used to be Petty GMS. Mm-hmm. Now it's Legacy Autosport with Richard Petty. Um alongside of, you know, the, 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 the GMS side, which owns Allegiant Airlines, and then Jimmy Johnson. They've got, you know, his teammate, Eric Jones, who has won at Daytona before. And you know this, Jimmy wants to go out with a bag. This is probably his last Daytona 500. I think we all know that. He's running six to ten races this year. Um, like a, 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 a dream, a dream schedule. It will not include the Indianapolis 500, but um, you know we may still see Jimmy run in Iowa or maybe run an IndyCar at Texas. Um, that hasn't been determined yet, but yeah, it's good to see him on top of the speed charts. And he knows more than anybody winning this thing twice. That no matter what, at the end of the day, you got to get to the end. You, can, you you can't be riding around and, and get to a wreck or be battling for the lead early and waste your car. You've got to make sure you're there at the end. So I think Jimmy will be, um, and what a cool storyline that would be if Johnson in his final Daytona 500 could pick up his third checkered flag in the Great American Race. All right, let's go rapid fire on some of these drivers while we still got you here and be able to talk some uh, Daytona 500. Alex Bowman on the pole uh, for tomorrow's race. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, Alex just hasn't been able to stay up front in these big races. He's qualified well, obviously, fifth straight start on the front row for the Atona 500, um, but hasn't been able to finish the job. So, uh, to me, Bowman is a fade. I don't, I don't think he's going to win tomorrow's race. I would be pretty shocked, actually, if he did. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how he runs up front. And then once he gets shuffled back, as you know it'll happen, you know, you know the draft will come and he'll find himself in the middle of the pack. How does his car adjust to, from being out front in clean air to being in the middle of the pack? So um, Bowman, for me, is a no-go. Kyle Larson. You know, Larson told me about six or seven years ago that he's never been good at Daytona. He's not good on the restrictor plates. And then, like, two weeks later, he went out and was leading the Daytona 500 for Chip Ganassi, taking the white flag, ran out of fuel, uh, coming out of turn two that gave Kurt Busch the Daytona 500 victory. Um, I like Larson. Do I think he's going to win tomorrow? No, but I certainly think he'll be in contention for a top five and a top ten. Joey Logano. I mean, he won the, he won his dual race on Thursday night. He's won the Daytona 500 twice. He's the defending champion of the series. Uh, Logano always has a shot at Daytona. Eric Armolola. Always missed that name. Eric, Eric Almarola is a guy that, look, he won his dual race the other night. He's fast. Remember, he was leading four years ago on the, on the backstretch of the final lap of the Daytona 500 and was crashed out by Austin Dillon. He's won the July race at Daytona. He will be right there. I don't know if he's aggressive enough to make the moves to win the race. Uh, I'll say he finishes top ten but does not win. And Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell is fast. That Toyota is quick. He's been good at Daytona in the past. I think Christopher Bell has a good shot to win tomorrow. I think he'll be right up there. Let's uh, head on over to the Xfinity Series. They qualify today at 1130, so we don't really know the qualifying order. But as we look into uh, the uh, the Xfinity uh, races, we, we were just talking about some drivers with uh, with Rick. Uh, but uh, certainly, as you look at the 2023 season of uh, Xfinity Series, uh, what, what, what are we looking for? Certainly, we saw some great names come up uh, to the Cup Series with Miller, Grayson, and, and Ty Gibbs uh, from the Xfinity Series this year. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, a couple guys that I'm looking at in today's race, um, you know, and, and like you said, depending on qualifying, um, somebody like Myatt Snyder, he's into a big ride now. This is, he's He's worked his way up. He's bounced around from different teams. Now he's running a Toyota. Um, I also look at a guy uh, like Sammy Smith. He'll be fast. He's had some success lately and in the past with um, the Arca car at, da- at Daytona. Um, you've got a guy like Parker Kligerman, who is now full-time with Big Machine Racing. And that's kind, of a, that's kind of an upset team. You know, that's a team that's not going to contend for a race win every weekend. But as you know, Daytona kind of kind of chills everybody out, I guess, kind of settles in the field and allows um, allows everybody to be on an even playing field. And one other guy I'm looking at, as well as John Hunter Nemechek, this is the guy who's ran a full-time season in Cup. He knows how to get to the end of races. He was back down on the Truck Series next last year. Now he's back up in Xfinity with a chance to win a championship, with a chance to, to win later on today in that Joe Gibbs racing car. So really like uh, the chances today for John Hunter Nemechek. Certainly one of the new faces that we're going to see in, in the uh, uh, Cup Series is Noah Gregson. 
No, Gregson is up in the Cup Series now. How do you think he's going to do uh, as opposed to uh, the Xfinity Series? And let's hope that he kind of learned a little bit uh, as far as keeping his attitude in check and stuff with with everybody on the track. Noah Gregson is going to be Noah Gregson, but uh, what are your thoughts about him in the Cup Series? Well, I mean, running for Richard Petty and running for Jimmy Johnson, you've got 14 championships in every room that you that, that you step into. You, you, you hope you learn from that. Um, it seems like he is going to always be in the middle of something, and I just don't trust him in the middle of a pack to not do something dumb, to not wreck somebody, to not put his nose where it doesn't need to be. Uh, Gregson, it's going to be a it's going to be a steep learning curve his rookie season. A lot because we just don't know how good that car is. The Richard Petty cars haven't been the greatest um, in the past, but you know we'll see. I, I think, like you said, he's got a lot of learning to do, and the best way to learn at Daytona is to finish all 200 laps and give your chance, give yourself a chance at around lap 190 to be able to uh, pull it out at the end. Yeah, absolutely. So let's kind of go through some drivers here real quickly on the uh, uh, Xfinity side. Let's talk a little bit about Justin Allgaier. Uh, we we uh, uh, Rick picked him to, to win because that's the name that he knows, but that's neither here or there. Justin Allgaier, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, with Allgaier, he's been there before. And you talk about experience being the key at Daytona, especially in the Xfinity Series. You get a lot of drivers that don't have a lot of experience that get up towards the front and want to race each other a little too early. Allgaier should be there as long as he doesn't get caught up in anybody's mess. I, I'm not going to pick him to win, but I certainly think he'll be right around that top ten. Brandon Jones, what are your thoughts about him this year? We he had some good yeah. wins last year, and I think with Brandon Jones last year, you, you kind of learned that okay, this guy can actually finish a race. He can win. Uh-huh. Um, he's very aggressive. Uh, he will go for it. Uh, this is another guy like Noah Gregson, right? If you can keep the nose clean, you got a chance. If you can't, uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be a little worried about about what his chances are. So. Um, certainly like to see um, what he can do with that Menard sponsored car. Dale Jr.'s nephew, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Earnhardt, Teresa's son. Yeah, I mean, Jeffrey knows how to get it done, right? This is a guy who knows how to, um, you know, finish. He's got the experience. He's obviously got the talent. It, it seems like Jeffrey Earnhardt has been given chances and that obviously his last name has helped him. Um, but if he can put it all together and be there towards the end, I don't see why he can't at least try to go for a win. A guy I started liking last year, uh, and I, I'm really going to continue to follow him and have really become a fan of him, and that's Cole Custer. Cole Custer, what are your thoughts in, in uh, tonight's race? Well, how do you adjust if you're Cole Custer, right? You, you're a full-time driver. Um, you know, your, your dad is part of the ownership group of, 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 of that Stuart Haas racing team. Um, you know, how do you adjust now that you ran three years of NASCAR cup series competition? You won one race at Kentucky during the pandemic. Um, now, now, now you're basically being demoted, right? Hey, you know what? You didn't get it done in the Xfinity series. We still like you, or you're, I'm sorry. You didn't get it done in the cup series. Look, we still like you. We still want you to be a part of the realm, and we still want you to be around, but you just can't get it done on the cup car. So how, so how do you adjust, right? How do you adjust to the fact that you're no longer a full-time driver in the cup series and you're moving down to the Xfinity series? Um, I like Cole Custer. I think he has talent, and I think he's one of those guys that later on today, 10 laps to go, and all of a sudden he'll be working that high line with a few other Fords to try to get a victory. So um, big fan of what he could do. 
Well, we're talking with uh, Tony Donahoe of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com. I know we only got you here for just a a few more minutes, but let's kind of look at uh, the NASCAR series and just uh, look at the, you know, you you mentioned some of the – the team owners, if you like Hendricks Motorsports, let's talk about Penske. We've kind of been quiet about him today for no particular reason, uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, Team Penske in the Daytona 500. Yeah, just like I mentioned a little bit earlier ago, you know, Ryan Blaney's the guy that knows how to win. He's got it done in Talladega. Um, you know, that two-car is good as well um, with Austin Sendrick on board. Uh, what can they do? And then obviously Joey Logano has two Daytona 500 wins. He won his um, his dual race, I think Penske will lead the charge for Ford that has had a lot of speed, has had a lot of qualifying speed. Does that translate over 200 miles to a race win? We shall see, but I don't think you can count on any of those three drivers knowing that Logano's got it done at Daytona twice. Ryan Blaney's been knocking on the doorstep of a Daytona 500 win for the last several years, and obviously in his rookie season last year, Austin Cindric picked up his first career win and his only career win to date at the Daytona 500, so yeah, I certainly think that um, you can't overlook Team Penske, and it's usually a smart bet for one of those three drivers to win, and certainly they'll get a driver inside of the top ten. So uh, I followed that series, that docuseries, uh, Race to, to the Championship last year. I hope they're bringing it back. I haven't heard. I think they probably are. But the team that I really got uh, uh, liking and attached to, if you will, is Trackhouse Race, Racing and Daniel Suarez. I love the whole story of tra- track house racing. I know there's the whole thing in the back end where they there really are two bigger racing teams that just kind of uh, broke down to one smaller team. But I like track house racing a lot. I think a lot of fans uh, just can uh, attach themselves to that team. I'm one of those. Uh, track house racing. What are your thoughts about them this weekend? They're always just in controversy, right? Like, everybody liked them at first. It was this new team. You know, they bought out Chip Ganassi Racing. Everything was all good. Suarez gets a win on a road course. And then Ross Chastain picks up a couple wins, almost wins the championship last year. But these guys are always the ones making the bold, aggressive moves. And they're always the ones that people are pissed off at after the race. So, um, you know, their biggest worry, I think, is themselves. Can they Can they keep themselves in contention? Or do they get too aggressive and knock himself out? So um, we'll, be, we'll be interested to see if, you know, they can keep their, their selves clean. I mean, that's really the bottom line for this race team. Can you keep yourself clean? Can you get to the end? And we saw already uh, in the dual race, Ross Chastain dumped Kyle Busch halfway through the race, making aggressive moves towards the front of the pack. And it ended up costing, ended up costing you know, a lot of people really good race cars. So, um, we'll just see if they can keep it clean. Well, Joe Gibbs Racing uh, is one that we've always known that can get the job done. Well, they've been able to get it done with Kyle Busch, and now uh, they've got uh, Ty Gibbs uh, coming in, uh, grandson, obviously, and there's a lot of controversy about how Joe Gibbs handled the the release of, of, of Kyle Busch and, and after all that he had done for him. But nonetheless, uh Kyle Busch is, is now uh, it, it, on a different team, which is Silvers. We'll get to in a second. Uh, but Joe Gibbs racing this weekend with Ty Gibbs uh, really leading the, the banner, if you will, for, Ty, uh, for Joe Gibbs racing. Well, I mean, I think when you talk about Joe Gibbs racing, the first person you got to talk about is Denny Hamlin. This is the guy who's won back-to-back Daytona 500s. He's always up towards the front. 
Um, he knows how to get it done. He's an aggressive race car driver. Um, Denny is always one of the favorites. You know, he's one of those guys that kind of reminds me back in the 90s of Sterling Marlin. Like, every time you went to Daytona, Sterling Marlin in the 90s, whether he was with, you know, Morgan McClure racing in that Kodak car or he was with, with um, Chip Ganassi racing in the Coors Light car, uh, was always a threat to win at Daytona. Obviously, winning back-to-back Daytona 500s. Sterling Marlin did that in 94 and 95. Uh, Denny Hamlin, multi-time Daytona 500 champ. But, but, but can a guy like Christopher Bell take that next step this year? He's got a few race wins under his belt. He's going into his third full-time season in Cup. Can he, can he take over some of that veteran leadership role? Can he move things forward in, in, in the future? Um, and, and then pick up the slack for maybe a guy like Ty Dillon or excuse me, like a guy like Ty Gibbs who doesn't have that experience who's new. So, um, you know, and Martin Truex Jr. is right there as well. I mean, you can't mention Gibbs without mentioning their, their, their two veterans leading the charge. And Martin Truex Jr., who started off the year already with the win and the Bush Clash a few weeks ago. And, you know, a guy like Kyle – or excuse me, a guy like Denny Hamlin who knows how to get it done at Daytona. So that's what I'm looking for with, 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 with Joe Gibbs Racing. Let's talk a little bit about Tony's team, Stuart Haas. Obviously, Kevin Harvick announced his retirement this year. This is his uh, retirement lap, uh, likely his last Daytona 500. Even the, the retired people have a way of coming back to the Daytona 500, asked Jimmy Johnson. Now, Kevin Harvick has had a great career. Let's re- reflect a little bit about uh, number four Kevin Harvick in the Ford uh, car, obviously leaving Stuart Haas. Uh, where does that leave them as a team at the end of 2023? Yeah, I mean, you know, Kevin Harvick, his last Daytona 500, the most aggressive racer in the world. Um, I think the, the one Daytona 500 he won was the very last second when he beat Mark Martin, I think, back in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was 2008. Uh, I don't know the exact year. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's why Cole Custer got moved down. Is there another guy that we can see? Uh, I like Harvick. I like his teammate Chase Briscoe a lot, too. Chase, Chase Briscoe's a guy that – you know, he's always right there. He always just seems to keep himself clean. And five, ten laps to go, you know, he's inside of the top ten. So, um, we'll see what Stuart Haas can do. I don't know if Kevin Harvick's going to win. I do think Chase Briscoe's going to have a chance. Um, but we'll see. You know, it, it's, a, it's a goodbye tour for Kevin Harvick, and, and he deserves it. What a great career he's had, dating back to, obviously, when he first took over for Dale Earnhardt back in 2001 in the second race of the season. Well, let's just rapid fire here. We've got a lot of drivers, and we can't certainly get to all of them. But uh, real quickly, let's just go uh, rapid fire. Ross Chastain, what are your thoughts? I think he'll end up in the wall. I mean, he's just showing that he's too aggressive, and he's too aggressive early and doesn't save his car to the end. So Ross Chastain is a fade for me. Bubba Wallace. You know, Bubba's always in the top ten. He's always in the top five. You know, he's got a runner-up finish in the Daytona 500. I think he will be there. It just always seems like he'll lead a bunch of laps. He'll he'll look like he's going to win, and he'll end up fourth or fifth. And then you're going, you know, and then then they're interviewing after the race, and he's super pissed off that he didn't get it done. And it's like, well, dude, you've had a lot of opportunities to get it done. Give me a top ten for Bubba Wallace, but I don't think he'll win. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah, so Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is interesting. He's got a Daytona win in the summer race. He's got a Talladega win. He's always fast. He doesn't have a teammate. So he's going to have to work early on in that race to gain the trust of a few other Chevy drivers, a few other Chevy teams. Maybe that's a track house. Maybe that's Hendrick Motorsports. Maybe that's RCR. If he can find help and he can find help in, in, in pushing him, uh, he'll have a chance up front. 
Another driver I enjoyed getting to know in the docuseries that raced the championship is Corey LaJoy. They really showed the human side of Corey and really the, the ups and downs, emotional roller coaster of what it means to be a NASCAR driver with Corey. So, Corey LaJoy, number seven, what are your thoughts in the Chevy? I really like Corey LaJoy. really like his teammate, Ty Dillon, at, Twin, or at, at, uh, at Spire Motorsports. Here's why. These are – there's always a team. It could be furniture. It could be front row with Michael McDowell. But I think this year he ran well in the truck race last night at Corey LaJoy. Ty Dillon, Corey LaJoy both ran well in their dual races. You know, this new car in NASCAR has kind of brought – it's kind of evened out the field a little bit. As mentioned last year with Ross Chastain Trackhouse Racing winning two races, uh, you know, that probably wouldn't have happened in other years without this new car. Ty Dillon, he's an aggressive driver. He's got a lot to prove. He'll go for it. Um, he's consistently been in the top 10 of Daytona, and Corey LaJoy is a guy that gets knocking on the door. Really, his only hope to win a race is probably on a restrictor plate. I think he can be there. If he's, got a, if he's got the fastest car, he'll be there. If not, unfortunately, they'll probably shuffle him back through the field because, um, you know, the, the bigger teams will gang up on him. Another longtime veteran, uh, Brad Kalon. I don't know if I lost you there, if you could hear me. Um, you know, Brad Keselowski, they were fast last year. Keselowski had a really good dual race on Thursday. His teammate is Chris Busher. Chris Busher has always finished strong in restrictor plate races. They have a chance. It's kind of that smaller team at Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing um, to hook up with each other and, and, and possibly go for the win. And, Tom, I think I lost you. I'm going to go with my winner tomorrow being Ryan Blaney, uh, Chase Briscoe, Ty Dillon, Corey LaJoy to be your upset specials uh, for a chance to win. So uh, I don't, I think I've lost you, so I'm going to let you go. Enjoy the rest of your Daytona 500 weekend. Hey, Tony, can you hear us? All right. It sounds like we, we've lost connection there with Tony. My name's Tom Marquist, El Presidente. We'll get uh, catch up with him here in just a, a, a few or probably uh, for next week. We've been efforting to try to get a hold of uh, Steve Wilson. I know he was under the weather yesterday, so it doesn't look like that uh, he's going to be able to join us. So my name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. We're going to close it out with some Daytona hype, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Remember, great Daytona 500, um, and it is Daytona 500 weekend. We're very, very excited. My name's Tom Marcus. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. This place is special, man. When you go through the tunnel here, it's something, some kind of vibe you get uh, when you roll in for the first time. 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration. Dale Earnhardt will come to the caution flag to win the Daytona 500. The 98, obviously, going to victory lane there was cool. I was a kid. I didn't know what I was experiencing at the time, but I knew it was such a happy time for everybody that was involved. I love to love this place. I mean, it's just it's one of those places that adrenaline is filling uh, you up from the time you enter the gate. That's tough. I haven't had a whole lot of good moments down here uh, myself, but I think just being in that first one uh, was the, probably the best thing, uh, the coolest thing I've done. Outside that, a lot of wrecking um, and disappointments, but I think just being here for that first one and just the experience of that and, uh, you know, coming down here for your first Daytona 500 is a, it's a special thing. For myself, it was obviously last year. 
uh, being there at the end and just kind of making the wrong move on that last lap, coming out of two and dropping a few spots. But it was uh, it was great missing those wrecks. But uh, if it wasn't me personally, I would say watching Dale win his first Daytona 500. That was that was you know everybody kind of felt that little bit of special feeling you know that they had. I think the obvious is <clears throat> obviously finished second in Daytona 500 2018, uh, having a good run there, good speed weeks really. Um, don't really remember, remember where we qualified, but finished third in the duels, got up to the front a little bit, fell back, got up to the front again, fell back, kind of like a, an accordion effect, but uh, ended up coming out somewhat close to the front, almost on top, and uh, reliving that moment is something you kind of do every day and every race really to bring back that excitement, that momentum, so we're definitely going to be riding that um, when it comes this Sunday for the Daytona 500. The Daytona 500. This isn't just another race. It's a run at history. Sunday at 2.30 Eastern on Fox. Cars, biggest, most famous, prestigious race. The Daytona 500. Hell yeah, guys. Start your engine! Daytona 500. Great day to be a champion. Jeff Gordon here, and I'm here to let you in on a major secret. You know that seven-time champion who retired? Uh, you may know him as the GOAT. Well, he's coming back to Florida for one more go at it. Hey, JG. What's up, Jimmy? What? Not who you were expecting? Jimmy Johnson, he will be in the car at the Daytona 500. <laughs> I'm back behind the wheel at the Great American Race. What is it about you seven-time champions? You can't stay retired. I didn't come this far to come this far. I like that. Might use that. Who said that? Tom. Tom Brady. Oh. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> we got one. Come back from more than hair since the sun went 